You're listening to the Seven Generation Podcast. So I wanted to do a quick introduction before you start listening to this episode here. Number one, the episode is pretty long, so close to two hours. I didn't mean it to be that long, but I just kind of got going. And um, obviously I had a lot to say. Secondly, I just want to forewarn you, um, this episode is definitely a little more controversial than the previous ones. And there's some explicit language as well. So be prepared. If you're feeling a little sensitive right now, maybe you should just delete the episode. If you're feeling brave and you feel like you're open to a little controversy and you're open to hearing a perspective that might be a little different than your own, then this podcast might be for you. But remember what I said when I first started this thing, if you were listening, that I wanted to just say the things that needed to be said. So that's pretty much what I did here with this podcast. I said some things that I felt that needed to be said. There's too much fucking groupthink out there going on right now. So much of what you'll hear in this podcast, you're probably not going to be hearing in the mainstream media. You're certainly not going to be hearing it from these protesters who are going out there screaming about reopening society and waving around their flags and carrying their AR-15s. So if you're one of those people, again... You might want to delete the episode. Personally, I think it would be wise for you to listen to it. So I'm going to shut up and I'm going to get this episode going. Welcome back, listeners. It's been a while since my last podcast. Been really busy. These last couple of weeks with work, I'm one of the lucky ones who still has a job. I feel extremely blessed knowing that I have a stable income coming in. I know there's a lot of people out there who are hurting right now, and I definitely feel for them and I feel for their families. It's uh, definitely disturbing seeing that some people are waiting in these food lines I'm reading that uh, a lot of these food banks are being just overwhelmed and you have people who are literally sleeping in their cars waiting to get some food. Um, In many of our uh, meat packing facilities, we have a a lot of folks who've been sick who are out um, with COVID-19 and that's really shot up um, prices of uh, pork and beef and chicken and um, apparently eggs are going up in price as well. So, you know, the economy is uh, being uh, put through a meat grinder right now and kind of shows you just kind just how weak this capitalistic system is, kind of how pathetic it is. Anyway, um, I've had a few ideas for some upcoming episodes, but it's been a while, so I decided just to put one out there 
I guess you can say I'm feeling uh, somewhat inspired, maybe even a little worked up. So I'm going to get a few things off my chest. Been watching a lot of these protests out there, and I see these armed militia types waving their American flags and their slogans of government tyranny and fascism. I just simply don't agree with their perspective or viewpoints. I'm sorry. I think these people have their own damn agenda. Now, I agree. If these people want to go out there and protest and they want to make fools of themselves, act like they're freedom fighters, yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Um, They have the right to do that. We have a lot of rights in this country. You know, I have a hard time believing that these people who are screaming about their rights really understand the Constitution. I mean, you talk to people and, you know, First Amendment, Second Amendment, yeah. Beyond that, I think most people in this country are pretty clueless. Now, I'll probably make some people upset with that statement, but I'm going to even take it a step further. I think that most Americans need to just wake the hell up. We need to stay away from Fox News or MSNBC. We just need to turn off the TV altogether. Maybe pick up a book. Maybe start reading, you know, different perspectives. You know, we're so, you know, divided. And you can see just how um, we're just in our little tribal camp. And all we do is just look for the information that confirms our own biases. It's called confirmation bias. And it's disgusting. It really is. You know, red versus blue, Democrat versus Republican. You know, my group is better than your group. My religion is better than your religion. It's just foul. And I think you're just seeing the, the ugly side of Americans. And I'm sorry, but... Most of us have no clue what it's like not to be free. No clue whatsoever. We have no clue what it's like not to have real liberties. You talk about having your freedoms taken away. Let me give you a little history here of my people. We once owned this land. This land you call America was once occupied by literally hundreds of different Native American nations. We occupied this land for thousands of years before it was ever called the United States of America. Nobody's going to tell me I don't love this country. My ancestors have been here forever. Nobody loves this country more than indigenous people. Trust me. Trust me. We know this land. Our culture comes from this land. When I see these people out here screaming about their liberties being taken away, their freedoms being taken away, it just, it makes me sick. And I'm tired, I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of seeing it. I mean, I have no problem dialoguing with people about what's happening right now. I have a little small business. My little, you know, some people call it a side hustle. It's really my passion. It's what I enjoy doing. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I decided to open my own gym. 
a little over a year ago. My business is being ruined. You know, it happens. You know, I'm hoping I can recover from it. I'm going to do my best. I will say I'm definitely in a better position than a lot of people. But I'm not going to cry and whine that, uh, you know, my business is being hurt because of this health crisis. Let's face it. If we want to point the finger at somebody and we want to, uh, you know, really be upset with anybody, we need to start to looking at uh, people at the top of society. Because trust me, they're not hurting. You know, we're always pointing the finger at immigrants or this group over here and that group over here. And again, being an indigenous person, we know a little bit about this. Actually, we know a lot. You talk about, again, taking your freedom away. This land once belonged to us. All of our freedoms were taken away. We were put into concentration camps. We were called savages. We were called uncivilized. We were said to be um, warlike, aggressive, savage-like, all these really ugly stereotypes. Why? Why do those stereotypes even exist? Why were they even created? Because we were defending our rights, our right to live freely in our homeland. And all of those rights disappeared. We lost the right to even speak our own language. We lost the right and the privilege to practice our religion. Most people don't know this, but our religion was outlawed all the way until 1978, when eventually Congress passed the American Indian Religious Freedom Act. Look it up. Native people were put into jail for practicing their traditional medicines. Native people were, in some cases, born in prison camps. Been able to visit with a good friend of mine and fine artist Douglas Miles. He's San Carlos Apache. San Carlos Apache people were rounded up in the late 1800s forced into prison camps where they stayed for in literally prison camps for more than three decades. My grandmother and my grandfather were, were not born in the, were born in this country, but not with the same privileges and the same freedoms that the dominant society inherited. My great-grandmother was born in this country, wasn't even an American, could not be an American. What most people don't realize is that Native Americans weren't allowed to become American citizens until, I think, 1921. So when I hear people talking about, well, you know, we're, our freedoms are being taken away. I can't go to Olive Garden and order the never-ending pasta bowl. Again, I'm, I'm sorry, Olive Garden. I used to go eat those breadsticks. I don't anymore. They're unhealthy. I can't go get my hair done. I mean, you see these people 
at Walmart and Target, you know, just acting like freaking buffoons. You know, have a little freaking respect for the people who are getting paid dirt wages. Working class people are out there busting their hump trying to, you know, help you get your, you know, whatever it is that you're you're looking to get with your Trump money. And you can't even have the decency to be polite. To just follow the freaking rules. And for those of you who are, you know, following these protests, why don't you look at some of the people behind them? Look at their agenda. Read up on them. Is that a little too much to ask? You know, put down your device. You know, do a little research. You know, and hey, look, I'm not going to say that, you know, all these people out there who are protesting are bad people. In fact, I don't think any of them are really that, you know, awful people. I think they're misguided. I think they're ill-informed. I think they're ignorant. Now, let's talk a little bit about Ahmad. You know, what about his freedoms? His freedom to take a jog. You can't take a jog in this country if you're black. I wonder if the same people are out there protesting, you know, reopen society. Let me go back to work. Let me go get my hair done. Let me go dine out to eat. I wonder if those people are going to go and march and protest on behalf of Ahmad and his family. What about his liberties? You know, I've been reading about how, well, you know, if he had just complied to their orders. Those are probably the same people who aren't complying to the shelter-in-place orders. And then who are these people with their AR-15s, their rifles? I mean, come on, really? It's, it's just sad. It really is. It's sad. You're not freedom fighters. You're not. And living in a free country doesn't mean you can do anything you want to do. It just doesn't. Do I agree with these shelter-in-place orders? No, I don't completely agree with them. I really don't. Do I want to reopen my business? Do I want to get out there and start training again? Absolutely. Do I want to see people losing their jobs? Hell no. Do I want to see people standing in lines at food banks? No, I don't. But these problems have existed for a long time in this country. For a long time. Food insecurity has been a problem in this country for years now. It just didn't happen after COVID-19 hit. Declining wages in this country has been going on for over three decades now. Wealth disparities, this incredible gap between the rich and the poor, has been around for a while, has been growing and growing and growing. Where are all the screams and all the protesters about that? 
You know, it seems to me that, you know, what freedom is about, just about the freedom to make money, no matter if it harms the social fabric of society or not. The freedom to spend, the freedom to consume. And if that's what freedom's about, and if that's what liberty's about, man, I'm out. That's just some capitalistic bullshit. Because that's really what capitalism is all about. Just getting us to go out and spend. Be mindless spenders. To not think about what is really truly bringing value to our lives. Just spend. Eat all that junk food. Spend your money on things that probably aren't going to make you happy. You know, I hear people talk, well, you know, this is causing a lot of depression and, and a lot of stress. Yeah, of course it is. But it's not like people haven't been depressed and stressed prior to COVID-19. I mean, has it exacerbated it? I'm, I'm sure. But, you know, in this country, we take, you know, I don't know, like 25% of all the mood enhancers and psychotropic drugs are taken by Americans. We only constitute 5% of the population. We're consuming all these drugs that are supposed to make us happy. Yeah, people who have money who aren't happy. I mean, there's really something wrong with our culture. There just is. There really is. You want to talk about injustice? You want to talk about taking away freedom? You know, many of my family members had their kids taken away, taken off to boarding schools where their kids were punished for speaking their own language. Many of our languages are dying today. Many of them have disappeared because we didn't have the freedom to speak our mother tongue. Many of our religions and our, I don't even want to call them religions, our spiritual views, our philosophical views, have died out. Because our freedoms and our liberties were taken away. So when I hear people complaining because they can't go out, they can't go to the mall, give me a freaking break. Give me a break. And I know there's people out there who are saying, well, we have small businesses and, you know, they're really hurting by this. This is how they feed their family. I get it. I get it. Trust me. Nobody knows this better than me. This is what I've spent much of my professional life researching, investigating. I know all about this class system. Trust me. There's not too many people who know it better than me. I've spent the last 25 years trying to better understand this class system, understanding capitalism and how dysfunctional it is. And I'm telling you right now, these people at the top, they're laughing at all of us because they're all going to make bank over this health crisis. They're all going to be doing just fine. Trust me. While we're sitting over here in our little tribes, hating on other people, they're laughing all the way to the bank. 
You know, we need to get back to just being human, man. We're supposed to be people, just human beings, and we're acting like a bunch of animals. Just a bunch of ugly-ass Americans. And I'm, I'm disgusted with it. You know, one of the things I've been, been told over the years, well, if you don't like America, why don't you leave it? Or if it's so poor living on the reservation, why don't you leave? You know why we don't leave the reservation, many of us? You know why we don't leave our homelands? Is because that's where our ancestors are from. These are the places that they fought and died to ensure that we would have some kind of future. Maybe not the best future, we'd have some kind of future. You know, I was reading an article about Native Americans and poverty, and I was reading the some of the comments. I don't even know why I fucking do that, because it just pisses me off. These dumbass Americans don't know shit about history. Saying, well, why don't you just leave the reservation, you know? Well, where the fuck you going to go? With what fucking money? You, people have no idea how racist these border towns are. Have no idea. And many of these people don't want to leave because this is their home. It's just like you. Well, you know, what if I said to you, well, your business is going down the tubes. You should just pack up and leave. Don't complain about it. Do something about it. Lift yourself up by your bootstraps. Your business is going under. Don't blame the government. Don't blame this person. Don't blame that person. Blame yourself. Go get a loan. Pack up, move to a city where they don't have any shelter-in-place orders. If I said that to somebody, boy, oh boy, the pushback. Well, give us the same respect. Don't ask us ever again, well, why don't you just leave? Because this is our fucking home. And we're not going to leave. This is our country. We fought and died to be able to have that little speck of dirt. And there's a racial component to these, you know, protests. I mean, you, you see the nobody wants to talk about it. You know, it's the dark, you know, underbelly of America. You know, I just saw this guy and he went out there, this uh, white brother, went for a jog with a TV set just to see how people would react. You guys got to check it out. It's kind of funny. Again, I hate to say it, folks. We're not having our freedoms and our liberties taken away. Look, this situation sucks. It freaking does. It sucks. We're losing... A lot, economically, no doubt about it. But I think it's time to maybe re reevaluate our economic system. Maybe it's time to maybe start reading again. And if you've never read, pick up a book. Stop watching 
the news. Stop paying attention to all the information that confirms all your stereotypes and all your biases. Listen to a different perspective. You know, I try to do this. You know, I always tell people my views are fluid. I'm willing to say, you know what, maybe I'm wrong with much of what I'm saying today. I, it's possible. There's been several things where I've had to reevaluate, reevaluate later. And I've had to admit to myself, you know what, I was wrong about that. So it's possible that I am wrong. Show me the evidence. And some of these people here who are, you know, out there screaming about, you know, the economy's falling apart and, you know, this isn't a really real serious health issue. Just need to stop. You got it right. This is a, the economy is definitely falling apart, but the economy has been falling apart for a long time for working class people and for middle class people. That's no joke. That just didn't happen two months ago with COVID-19. So wake up. We need to wake up. We all do. We need to stop being complicit. We need to stop with the, you know, us versus them mentality. It's the ugly side of, you know, our humanity. You know, my group is better than your group. We're all fucking human beings here, you guys. We're all sharing this planet together. We need to show a little bit of love, a little bit of compassion. You know, I think a, a great, you know, indicator that a culture or society is doing well is how we treat each other. Do we treat each other with love and compassion? Do we, do we treat each other as brothers and sisters, as relatives? Or do we treat each other with just utter disregard for people's feelings? You know, people always ask me, well, you, you know, what are you, some leftist? Are you a No, I'm not a leftist. No, I'm not a communist. I'm a human being. My people are the Utes. Our traditional name is the Nooch. It means the people. Just simply the people or the human beings. I'm a human being. One of my favorite philosophers, one of my favorite Native Americans, John Trudell, he has this really beautiful quote about how he's trying to be a human being in a world that's losing its understanding of what it means to be human. And I'm feeling that. I think a lot of us are. My advice, folks, start taking a look at the people at the top of society. Stop fighting with each other. Stop arguing with people. Stop being so mean. Please stop watching the freaking news. 
let's get back to COVID-19. Let's talk a little bit about the disease. Is it bad? Yeah, it's bad. Maybe not for you. If you haven't lost a loved one. But what about the people who are working every day in these hospitals trying to save people's lives? You know, I have a buddy of mine back in New York, a brother, somebody uh, I call a brother, lost his mother to COVID-19, died alone. You know, he couldn't say goodbye. (laughs) Tell him, tell the other people out there who've lost a loved one, this isn't a serious health crisis. Or the people who've survived it. You know, until it hits us, it's not a problem. And and I get it. There's probably a lot of people out there maybe who have had this thing, don't even know it, um, have a fairly strong immune system, will never get sick, will never even know anybody who gets sick. Well, if so, you're lucky. You are. But there are people out there who've died from this. Society is going to open. We're going to get back to some pre-COVID-19 activities. I'm not so sure that's a good idea. I really had hoped that maybe people during this time would do a little bit of reflecting. Maybe think about what's important. And if what's important is, you know, just getting back to business as usual, buying shit, consuming junk food, consuming TV, consuming Fox Fox News or CNN or whatever corporate media you consume. If that's the world we're going back to, then we're in bad shape. We're in trouble. We really are. I'm hope I'm making some kind of sense. And I know there's probably a lot of people that listen to this is like, this guy's out of his mind. Uh, I might be. But you know what? If the world that I'm seeing out there is normal, I hope I am out of my fucking mind. Because this is not okay. The way that things are going down throughout America, it's just not okay. So I'm going to take a little break here. Give me a drink of water. Come back and finish up this podcast. So I'll be back in about about 20 seconds. All right, got myself a little drink of water. Ready to get going again here. Just wanted to get back to this health crisis. You know, I keep hearing from people. Hearing, well, it's not it's not really that bad. It's a government conspiracy. Just stop with that bullshit conspiracy crap. This stuff is real. It's doing harm to a lot of people. Now, maybe not the people out there protesting. Maybe they come from a certain class of people where they're not really getting hit hard by this COVID-19. 
Maybe some of these people have really good health care. Maybe live in really nice neighborhoods. Have access to all the resources needed to be successful in life. But this disease is hitting some people really hard. Tell the Navajo Nation. Tell the Diné that COVID-19 isn't real. They've been hit hard by this disease. What about our elderly? You know that one-third of all these COVID deaths are people who live in nursing homes? I mean, I think a pretty good indicator of, again, how healthy a society is is how we treat our elders. Why aren't we out there protesting for them? Why are we out there telling the government, hey, you need to go in and do something about these nursing homes, make sure that our elders are safe? I mean, most of these people have given their life to this country. Many of them are veterans. What about them? And again, there's a racial component to this as well, because look at the African-American community, who's again been hit hard by poverty and discrimination and violence for over 400 years on this continent. There's some African-American communities are being devastated by this. But I guess if it doesn't hit you, then it doesn't matter. I mean, I just think there's just a lot of folks out there, for whatever reason, they just live in their little bubble. Everything's going well for them. Life is good for them. Who cares about everybody else? I mean, I see it too often. I mean, I'm, I live out here in Clovis. And I've noticed since the start of this shelter-in-place order, they... There were hordes of people out. Not social distancing. Not wearing a mask. You know, I used to go to Buchanan and run the stairs, and I'd drive by that area to go shopping. And when I was going grocery shopping one day, I drove by, and I saw just, I don't know, I don't want to say hundreds of people out there, but it was quite a few people running up and down the stairs, not social distancing. I mean, it was just absurd. And apparently it was fine. Apparently, you know, people out in Clovis really weren't worried about it. I mean, it was almost like a a vacation, it seemed. You know, the disease hasn't hit hard here in Fresno. We're really lucky. We're really, really lucky. And apparently there's a, you know, a uh, a red versus blue component to this, because, you know, there always is. And, you know, people who are in Democratic areas have been hit harder by COVID-19 than folks who are from uh, Republican-controlled areas. But again, we got to get over this us versus them bullshit. It's ridiculous. 
sad. It's pathetic. We're all Americans, right? Shouldn't all of our lives have equal value? So if it's not happening to us, if we're not being affected by COVID-19, where our loved ones aren't dying, then we shouldn't care. Is that is that how <laughs> how bad it's gotten out there? Again, where's the freaking humanity? And what about the discrimination and the prejudice towards Asian people? I mean, I've had some of my students who are Hmong, who are Southeast Asian, who are afraid to go out and shop, afraid to go out with their families because of the harassment, because of the prejudice. I mean, this is just disgusting. What's wrong with people? Blaming Asian people here for for COVID-19? Give me a break. Did the disease start in China? Yeah, apparently it did. What does that have to do with Hmong people living here in Fresno? Freaking idiots. People being threatened, people being harassed. You know, it's just, it's, it's foul. It really is. Again, my advice for those of you out there who aren't dragging your knuckles, for those of you out there who have an education, we need to start speaking out. And I'm not talking about going out there and being a wannabe activist like some of these protesters. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about speaking to our children. Get involved in our communities. You know, we got to stop using our education just to make money. I mean, sorry, there's a lot of people out there who are uneducated. I'm not saying that a college degree means that you're better than anybody, because it certainly doesn't. Because I know a lot of assholes in academia. I know a lot of assholes who have college degrees. And I know some people who have high school diplomas and are super, super intelligent. So having a college degree isn't the end-all be-all. Trust me, it's not. Part of getting an education means that you're supposed to bring some wisdom back to your community. And I think that's the job of intellectuals. You know, we need to get out there in our communities more. And I'm not talking about, you know, getting out there and getting up in people's faces and being threatening or being violent or screaming America because, you know, I'm being told to wear a mask, being kicked out of a store because I don't have a mask. This is America. No, I mean, we need, we really do need a new generation of leaders. People are so fixated on the bottom line, who aren't so fixated on making money. 
This is one of the problems, again, with capitalism. You know, I hate to go directly back to this economic system, but I mean, there's a major problem. I mean, we have people who are incredibly intelligent and their minds and their skills get hijacked by Wall Street. You know, we have people who are brilliant, but what are they doing with all that brilliance, wasting it, just making money. And I'm not saying everybody's like that. And I'm not saying, you know, uh, you know, making money is a bad thing. But if the way that you're making money and the way that you're doing business is doing harm to our communities, then hell yeah, I'm saying that's a bad thing. And again, all you got to do is look at our economic system. Look at the gap between the rich and the poor. Look at the middle class. Who's middle class anymore? Who even freaking qualifies? Again, if you look at the cost of living and you look at wages, wages are going up, but they're not keeping up with the cost of living. Every American, I think on average, has like over $10,000 in credit card debt. We have over a trillion dollars in student loan debt. You know, it's funny to me because, you know, I know, I hear it all the time. I hear it at my gym. You know, I have a I have a role at my gym. I have a, a very important role that I need to be a little more strict on. We just don't talk politics. Jiu-jitsu is not a place for politics. Jiu-jitsu is a place to train, to have fun, to be around people you wouldn't normally be around, to get in shape, to de-stress, to better yourself as a human being. At least that's the way I look at it. But, you know, I hear people talk. You know, it's not unusual for you know people to get together before training and talk about what's in the news. I don't think it's a good idea. I think that, you know, jiu-jitsu should be for jiu-jitsu. Shouldn't be for, you know, talking politics or certainly not talking religion. That never ends well. But yeah, I hear people and you know, I hear some of their views and I know when I go back to jiu-jitsu, I'm going to tell people, you know what? We're just going to fucking train. That's all we're going to do. We're not going to worry about, you know, what's going on out there in the political world. We're on the mat for that hour and a half or that hour, however long. It's all about jiu-jitsu. And that's it. People want to hang out afterwards and, you know, go to a bar or go to a coffee shop and talk about how they're going to take over the world or talk about tyranny and freedom and all that, have at it. But we do need those of you out there who are educated, who have a little bit of compassion in your heart, a little bit of love for other human beings, not love for the people that are like you, but love for all human beings. 
One of my favorite authors, Paulo Freire, he's a Brazilian educator, and he talked about, well, he talked a lot about the poor and the uneducated and how people at the top of society exploit those at the bottom. Many always talked about you have to have love, not just for your brothers and your sisters and not just people in your community, but you have to have love even for those at the top of society who are exploiting you and doing harm to you. And you don't just want to change and grow as an intellectual, but you want to bring them along too. And I I do my best to employ that philosophy as an educator. I mean, that's my primary source of income. I'm a lousy businessman. My side hustle really isn't a side hustle. I just love training jujitsu. But, you know, I, I do encourage all of you, just like I encourage my students, to disregard most of what you hear in the corporate media. Learn history. Don't just learn your own. I mean, I've spent a lot of time learning about American Indian history. But I've also spent a lot of time just trying to understand American history and the history of Europeans, Western civilization, the history of Africa. I mean, history just is fascinating to me. But when you learn history, what you find is that we all have way more in common than we do with those at the top of society. Trust me, we all do. We all share a really common history when it comes to exploitation, disenfranchisement, those types of things. And, you know, I must admit, and, you know, in all this crazy chaos and all this hate, that's going on in the world and this negativity that I see, there are some really beautiful things going on. Like I was reading about the Irish and how when they were going through the potato famine, you know, the Choctaw people and other Native Americans heard about this. They read about this, about this horrible famine experienced by the Irish. And so they got together and raised a bunch of money. These are some of the poorest people on the planet at the time, mind you. But they understood the pain and suffering of the Irish because they had experienced similar oppression here. You know, the Irish were just brutalized by England, brutalized by them economically. There was a a terrible potato famine, but there was enough food to feed people in Ireland. The problem was the English, the Brits, were exporting all the food and starving out the Irish. And Native Americans came to their their aid. And many of the Irish are paying that, that debt today. And that's such a fucking beautiful thing. 
I was reading about how these Irish have gotten together and they've raised money for the Navajo Nation to fight this COVID-19 pandemic that's just devastating their communities. It's just beautiful to see. It really is. It's, it uh, made me very emotional to read about this, to to know that people still care about one another. It's not Irish, you know, Irish versus the world. It's just human beings caring about other human beings. And I just wish that, you know, we had more of that going on. And I know there's some of it, and I know there's a lot of folks out there who are doing their part, and there's all these really beautiful stories out there of people who are lending a helping hand. And I try to focus as much as I can on those things. I do my best to to stay positive, and I certainly do love this country. I can't stand the fucking government. I mean, I'm sorry, but I know history. But I love this country. I love the fact that I'm born here. I feel privileged to be born in the United States. And I always tell people that, you know, we won the fucking lottery ticket, man, being born here. You know, we're lucky we're not, you know, even if you're poor. And try being poor in a slum in Mumbai. Or the favelas in Brazil. Because, you know, when you're poor in some part of Mexico, you might be living in a a house with no running water, no electricity. Hey, not to say that people don't live like that here. If you go out to Navajo country, many Navajo people don't have running water. And I think maybe, you know, what some people are experiencing right now, many people who are who've lost their jobs and seeing their businesses fall apart. They're starting to get a little taste of what it's like to be poor. But if we really, really want to bring about some type of positive social change, if we really do care about this country and we care about our children and we care about our grandchildren and those generations that we will never meet, if we care about them, then maybe we'll take a look at our political system. Take a look at what C. Wright Mills calls the power elite. People control the military, the people control the economics, people control the politics. I don't know of any of these people. We're not even going to get to know him. Now, I see all these people out there talking, oh, Trump, you know, he's my president, this and that and the other. Fuck Trump. Give me a break. Trump is just another rich dude who's looking out for himself. That's all he is. I just, I don't get it. I just, this guy is a soulless monster. Look at his history. Do your fucking history.
Yeah, I mean, Trump's our president, yeah. Am I going to sit over here and say, well, he's not my president? Nah, he's my president. He's a piece of shit. He's a liar. He doesn't give a rat's ass about anybody but himself. And all you got to do, do again, read up on the guy. Read up on his history. When this is all said and done, when he gets voted out of office, or if he doesn't get voted out of office, he's going to be richer and wealthier than he's ever been. I don't even know how rich he was before. I mean, the dude back in the 90s lost most of his money. The guy is hollow. His wealth was fairly hollow. You trust me, not anymore. And maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I'm going to get myself into some trouble here. Now, I know what some people are probably thinking. Oh, he's probably a Democrat. Damn commie. No, I'm not a Democrat. I think all politicians, at least those in Washington, are pretty much dirtbags. At least the majority of them are. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some good ones. I mean, there's some probably decent politicians. I mean, I I think that the 2018 run that the Democrats made in taking over the House of Representatives, I think that was quite something. I think there's some pretty good politicians are working in a pretty corrupt system. Good luck trying to change anything. I mean, good politician, bad politician. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the majority of them are dirtbags. Republican, Democrat, they're all out for themselves. Or they're out for the power elite. Again, the power elite those who control the economics, those who control the politics, those who control the military. Is it any of you? I doubt it. So yeah, am I just hating on Trump? No. I mean, does he lie just a little bit more than the typical politician? Yeah. Is he a buffoon? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'll admit, I... I loved Obama as a person, as an intellectual. Thought he was, I think he's a great person. I think his story is incredible. I sure as hell didn't agree with many of his policies. I laugh when people say Obama was a radical. Obama was a communist. That's a that's such a freaking laughable joke. I mean, come on. Are you serious? If only <laughs> Obama was not a radical. He's black. I mean, I think that, you know, people just see black people and immediately, man, you know, the stereotypes just come flowing out. He just wants to give everything away to everybody. 
You know, Obama was a conservative. He was a conservative Democrat, straight up. I think he's a decent person. He certainly didn't do enough after the 2008 fall of our economy. When he was elected, I was hoping for more. I expected more. You know, again, we, if, if we just look at our economic history, I mean, these economic situations that we have found ourselves in are a reflection of a system, an economic system, that just doesn't work for the majority of Americans. Because the whole system is built off of spending money, growing the economy. It's not about making our lives better. And again, I'm not against making money. I'm not. If that's the system, fine. But there has to be a more equitable, equitable way of doing it. There has to be a better way. There just has to. I mean, this wealth inequality that we're seeing is just absolutely out of control. It just is. And I think some of these middle class people or upper middle class people who run businesses. And again, I, I for all the business owners out there, I feel really, really bad. If your business is tanking right now, man, I feel for you. But take a look at the CARES Act. Take a look at where the money went. Look at all that PPP money that was supposed to go to small businesses. And look at all the loopholes that were created by the politicians, by the people who write these bills, so that people at the top could get a little taste, even what's meant for us. You know, I applied for some loans. I, I applied for a couple of loans. I applied for a $5,000 loan here in Fresno. And 26 other people applied for it. I think they gave out 116 Not very good odds. If I would have got the $5,000, I'd be cool. Be able to pay my rent. Keep my business open. It's not all negative. And I'm going to share with you some positives. I mean, there's that ugly side and unfortunately gets all the attention, but there's some really amazing things going on out there as well. I'll just tell you one. Let me tell you a little bit about my my, my little side hustle, my little business. Again, I'm terrible at business. But I love jujitsu and wanted to open up my own gym. And, you know, I've had a lot of my students continue to pay me. I mean, I've lost a lot of money. I'm not going to lie. It's It's been kind of sad to see this momentum. I mean, if you open up a gym, the first year is usually pretty rough. And to be quite honest, I feel like I've done pretty well. And we were just gaining a lot of momentum. I mean, I have mostly white belts and I have uh, a few blue belts. And, you know, my coach, Steve Red Lion, started to train with us a bit more. And some other folks from his school started to come through and, you know, the vibe was really good. 
and you know the health crisis and the shelter in place just completely destroyed it. And you know, for a for a couple of weeks there, I was really pissed and I was really upset, and you know, I just had to come to terms with you know what happened, and you know, I felt like you know, even though I wanted to keep training, maybe this was the best thing to shut it down for a while. You know, so I complied with the shelter-in-place order. But, you know, I have these amazing students who have been with me every step of the way. And, you know, many of them continue to pay. And without them, um, I wouldn't even have a chance of keeping my gym open. And I'm not so sure. Maybe my gym won't make it. It's very possible. You know, I like to think that jiu-jitsu is essential. And I would certainly argue that keeping in shape and staying healthy and having a, a group of people to encourage you, somebody to coach you and, you know, give you an outlet to help reduce stress, certainly all of that is essential. But, you know, during times like this, you know, maybe not. You know, when people are dying and people are suffering. But if we really want to protest something, we really want to get out there. We need to get out there for the right reasons. It can't just be about us. It has to be about what's good for our democracy. What's good for our society as a whole. You know, at some point in time, we're going to have to reevaluate this idea of rugged individualism and start thinking more about our community. And some people are, have been doing that. And God bless you for those of you who are out there working in your communities, working with our youth, doing something to give back. You know, God bless you. And I wish you all nothing but the the best, and I wish you all the success in the world. You know, for those of you out there who are, you know, attempting to do something uh, to help our youth, to help our elderly, you know, you all are, are true heroes. You guys are my heroes. People always ask me all the time, who do you look up to? Is there somebody in history that you look up to? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I look up to, you know, working class people. My father was a working class man. You know, he worked, worked, and worked, and worked, and worked. Never complained. Simple guy. Smart, intelligent, but simple. Simple lifestyle just wanted to provide for his family. You know, working class people are my heroes. You know, people who go out there and do the grunt work. There's all kinds of people out there doing the grunt work for us. You know, and that's why we need to be a little kinder to our essential workers, to the cashiers, to the people who are, you know, stocking all these goods and supplies that we want. You know, we have this damn fascination and this type of worship for people who have money. It's just pathetic. 
it's really super pathetic. And so when people ask me, who are my heroes? Who are the people that I look up to? It's the people who get out there and do something for their communities, the people who care. I was reading about the Irish who are raising money for the Diné. And you might ask, why would the Irish be raising money for the Diné, for the Navajo Nation, who are experiencing high rates of COVID-19 positive tests? And the, you know, the Navajo Nation is just being devastated. I mean, it's just, it's really sad. It's one of the poorest places in the United States, and they're just being devastated by COVID-19. They don't have a lot of resources. They don't have uh, well-equipped medical facilities. But the Irish are getting together and, and raising money on their behalf. And it's just a beautiful thing. And again, why would the Irish be doing this? Well, during the potato famine, the Choctaw and the Navajo and other Native Americans raised money and actually sent it to Ireland to help them. And again, we're talking about, this is back, you know, over 160 years ago, like 180 years ago now. And, you know, we're talking about tribes that are incredibly poor. But they read about what was going on in Ireland, and they understood their suffering, and they understood their pain. And it wasn't about Irish versus Native American. It was about another group of human beings who needed help. And over a century, almost two centuries later, the Irish are repaying that favor today. Man, that's fucking beautiful. That's beautiful. It gives me hope. Really, really does. really does. It's hard because I think uh, there's this natural tendency that human beings have that we focus in on the negative. I mean, there's a lot of science behind this. Uh, I think generally speaking, just because how things are in this country, you know, people just have a negative outlook. I think many Americans are just spoiled. We've never really had to sacrifice anything. Many of us haven't. And we care very little sometimes for the people who have. You know, I think about the the veterans and, you know, I think about their lack of mental health resources when they come back from fighting these wars. And, you know, I talk to a lot of veterans tell me how difficult it is to make their way through the VA system, that ugly bureaucratic system they get caught up in. They're trying to get, you know, resources that they deserve and 
you know, they run into a lot of difficulties. But I just encourage those of you out there who are still interested in learning, still interested in dialoguing, still interested in listening to other people. There's a lot more of us out there than you would know. Trust me. There's a lot of us out there. I'm not saying that we're the majority. Probably a very small minority in comparison to the knuckle draggers. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't take a lot of people to change the world. It doesn't. It could go either way. And I always tell my students this, look, there's somebody making things happen today. Why not you? Why can't it be you? Why can't it be one of us that remakes the world? There's some people who tell me, you know, there's nothing you can do about the way things are. It's just the way it is. And there's rich people and they have all the money and they have all the power and they're just going to control everything. And there's nothing that we can do about it. And you just have to go with the flow. And then I think about history. And I think about, well, what if those abolitionists had just said that? You know, there's nothing you can do about slavery, man. It's just, you know, it's the way it is. People in the South have slaves. Or if the slaves just accepted slavery. What about Harriet Tubman? What if she just said, well, you know, I'm not going to become a criminal and, you know, flee my responsibility to my slave master. Because, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Or Frederick Douglass, who was a slave, who became free, and who fought to free his brothers and sisters. What if he just said, you know, there's you know nothing you can do about this. I'll just live and work and die a slave. What about Dr. King? What if Dr. King just said, you know, there's nothing you can do about Jim Crow. There's nothing you can do about segregation. There's nothing you can do about civil rights. It's just a fact of life. If you're black in America, you're going to be a second-class citizen. That's just the way it is. We'd have no Civil Rights Act. We have no Voting Rights Act. So yeah, we can bring about positive change. We can. And it doesn't have to take a, a large group of people. It has to take a dedicated group of people, that's for sure. People are going to have to kind of drag people along with them. Do you think the South wanted to end segregation? I mean, again, look at the history. You can look at, you know, there's probably a bunch of documentaries out there about segregation when they were busing in, you know, African-American kids to these schools. They were being spit on. They were being called all kinds of horrible things. They had the National Guard who was doing the escorting because, you know, these people's lives were in danger. But do we look back and go, 
today. Well, you know, we, we shouldn't have ended segregation. No, we look back today and we think, man, segregation was a horrible thing. Can we believe people acted like this? And there was an overwhelming majority of people in the South who didn't want to end segregation. Just like people didn't want to end slavery. Because you don't want to end system. You don't want to dismantle a system that works well for you. If there's a system of injustice that works well for you, you'll probably do your best to justify why it's okay to exploit, uh, you probably wouldn't even call it exploitation, why it's okay to, to keep your system humming along. That's why people at the top of America, people control the economics. They control the media. They're able to get out there and talk about, you know, the wonders of capitalism and the wonders of the free market. There's nothing free about the free market. That's one of the biggest lies ever told. The market is not free. I mean, it sounds good. It really does. But it's not. So where am I going to end this discussion here? Be positive. Even even amid all the chaos and the craziness. And if you're feeling a little stressed economically, again, I'm sorry. I think our government has done a lousy job of handling this entire situation. They don't know what the hell they're doing. I'm not saying I have all the answers because I certainly don't, but, you know, I'm not paid to have the answers. Well, I kind of am as a sociologist, but I'm not a politician. I don't get to make any of the the big decisions, but I can see a big fiasco when I see one. And this is just a big fiasco. The people running this country right now just, you know, they have no clue what it's like to be you or I. They don't. They have no clue what it's like to be a typical average American. Donald Trump has no clue what it's like to be you or I. He doesn't know what it's like to be a hard-working American. He doesn't. I know these politicians do. You know, maybe at one time they did. Maybe there's a few. I mean, there, you know, there's some people who come from humble beginnings. I mean, you look at people like Dick Cheney, I mean, he came from a really humble background. But, you know, today he's a member of the power elite. He's pretty far removed from his humble working class days. But through it all, I'm going to continue to stay positive. I'm going to continue to fight. I'm going to continue to encourage people to learn, encourage all of you who are listening, if you're still listening, probably some of you turned this off a long time ago, and that's too damn bad. I probably talked a little bit too long anyway, but yeah, I'm going to encourage all of you to continue to to grow as, as thinkers. Don't ever stop learning. 
So if you want to learn a bit, learn a little bit about America and our history, I would say read Howard Zinn. Read The People's History of the United States, an amazing book. Man, that book, that's the right kind of book. You want to read about our racial history? Read Ronald Dukakis' book, A Different Mirror, A History of Multicultural America. That book will blow your mind away. Good place to start if you're looking at history. If you want to learn about Native American history, Fresno City College has a great Native American studies program. Take a class. You can audit a class. Probably you can do it for free. You want to learn about Chicano Latino studies. You want to learn about women's studies. You want to learn about African-American studies, our African-American history, culture. Fresno City College has an outstanding cultural studies department. Outstanding. And it doesn't really cost much to take a class. And, you know, part of uh, the whole community college system is to be open to lifelong learners. So if you want to learn more about the different cultures and the different histories and the different biographies of this, you know, amazing, beautiful diversity that we have in this country you should take a class from one of our um, amazing cultural studies professors at Fresno City College. I mean, we have, again, some amazing departments. You have Professor Matt Watson in Chicano Latino Studies, Carla Kirk, African American Studies, My good friend, John Cho, Asian American Studies. And my dear friend, Kehinde Solwazi, one of these times I'm going to get here, get him here on this podcast. You guys aren't ready for Kehinde. Kehinde is gangster. Been teaching for 50 years. Retiring this semester. Going to finally hang it up. After 50 years of teaching, incredible human being, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful person. One of the most influential people on in my life and has been a mentor to me. Sad to see him go. I think he's going to be 80 or 79, something like that. He's an old man. I worry about him. He's unfortunately going to have to finish off his semester online. And when I get back to typical face-to-face classes, hopefully soon, we'll see. We'll see how this thing goes. We might be online all the way till next spring. It's very possible that's the case. That's what they're talking about. Got to bring him back, have him do a final lecture. But we have a tremendous community college here that has, again, some of the best cultural studies professors. So if you want to learn about another culture, you want to step outside of uh, your comfort zone, walk into an African-American studies class. That'll open your eyes. Take American Indian studies. For you guys out there, 
check out Women's Studies. Linda DeCryfe, professor of Women's Studies, Fresno City College. Good friend and colleague. Badass instructor. So we can do that. We could read a bit more. Maybe take a class. You know, got to stop looking for the information that confirms our biases. Remember that confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. We're always looking for the information that confirms our beliefs. And we disregard information that doesn't fit in line with our thought system. This is a, a natural thing that we do as human beings. But we're more susceptible to this because of social media, because of how powerful the corporate media is, and so forth. Incredibly susceptible. You know, I do my best to try to listen to all different perspectives. And, you know, there's people even on, on my side, there's people that I agree with on some topics, and there's some people I don't agree with. I mean, I listen to a lot of Sam Harris. And there's times I can't stand Sam Harris. I think he's an absolute moron, pseudo-intellectual. And there's times where I'm like, okay, I, I feel what you're saying. But that's the way it should be. And we shouldn't always agree with everybody. And we shouldn't, um, you know, put people on a pedestal as if they're divine or semi-divine, that's not healthy. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing that, to do that with politicians. It's not a good thing to do that with anybody. I mean, there's some people that I look up to, but I also remember these are human beings. And you got to be careful. Shouldn't be hero-fying anybody. That brings me to another book, The Lies My Teacher Told Me by James Lowen. Outstanding book. Whoa. Read that back in the 90s. It's an amazing read. Again, Lies My Teacher Told Me, James Lowen. He also wrote another book called Sundown Towns. It's all about segregation and how there were certain towns where people of color were basically ran out of and... why we have Chinatowns and why there's certain parts of the country where there's mostly white folks and no people of color. It's a pretty dope book, Sundown Towns. I mean, it's not as good as Lies My Teacher Told Me. It's a sexy title, by the way, because trust me, our teachers in elementary and high school told us a lot of lies. And then I picked up another book. Recently, I haven't read this just yet, but it's called the Color of Law, The Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America. Richard Rothstein. It looks great. It's a national bestseller. Looking forward to picking it up. I'm also rereading Cornell West's book titled Race Matters. 
I had the privilege of listening to Cornell West back in, oh gosh, I don't even know when it was, sometime late last year. And he's just such a beautiful, amazing person. Cornell West is so incredible. And I just had the privilege of being able to sit in the same room with him and hear him talk. And he's just so fucking inspiring. You know, just, man, just, you know, just um, so passionate and so incredible. He's a philosopher and a sociologist. And he was here at Fresno City College. We've had some amazing speakers at Fresno City College. I know Fresno State has some amazing speakers. And I would encourage you to check out, you know, what we have going on the speakers forum. Because we have have had amazing speakers come into town. James Lowen, the author of Lies My Teacher, told me he was in Fresno as well. Um, So those are things that we could do. We can get involved in those activities, go to speakers forums, you know, learn about topics that make us uncomfortable. You know, my job as a teacher, I always tell my students this, like my job as a teacher is to make you uncomfortable, make you feel a little uneasy with the topics that we talk about. And for that reason, you know, I have a lot of people who they like it, they're down for it, they're ready for it, they want it, they want to be engaged and challenged. And then there's some folks who just, you know, they they just want to stay in the bubble. And they can't handle anybody else's perspective but their own. So yeah, get out there and read. You know, you guys can always shoot me an email. It's got to be a nice email. <laughs> I might get a mean email after this one. Um, if you're ever interested in, you know, some reading topics. You know, I have students all the time who ask me about, you know, books I've read or books I should be reading. You know, my students turn me on to books all the time as well. Then again, I'm not saying books are the end-all, be-all. I think uh, a big thing today is, you know, just getting away from social media as much as you can. I know it's a big part of um, life today, but, you know... We have people out there trying to distort our thoughts, you know, control our um, opinions based on a bunch of bogus information that they constantly throw out there. You know, the Russians did an outstanding job of just creating a lot of division and, and discord. And... Again, just being compassionate. You know, if, if if you don't have compassion, you don't have love for other people, then you're not a human being. 
That's just a fact. At least that's how I've been taught. You know, it's a big part of uh, indigenous philosophy is being human, being loving, being compassionate, caring about your elders, caring about our children, caring about our loved ones, our community, putting community first. Man, if we all did that, if we all put our community first before our own wants and desires, man, we would have a beautiful country. And I think we, I think there's still hope for that. I mean, I really do believe that Americans are going to drop this gun ho American bullshit ideology, and at some point in time, just see themselves as a global citizen. I mean, we all share this planet together. I mean, I think we all agree that human beings deserve certain liberties, certain freedoms, or maybe a better way of putting it, is deserve certain human rights. And I think at some point in time, you know, we're going to coalesce and come to an agreement on what those rights should be. And I really don't think it's going to be about the right to make a billion dollars or the right to own a business, no matter how harmful my business is for the world. I think at some point in time, we're going to cross over that threshold. We're going to just get to that point where, you know what? Human rights and democracy will trump this bullshit economic system that pits all of us against one another creates this ugly version of tribalism. Not the good kind of tribalism where we care about our communities and we care about each other and we put, again, our own individualistic mindset to the side for the betterment of our community. Not that type of tribalism. But the kind of tribalism where my group's the best. That group over there, they're trash. If we get beyond that, and I do believe we are going to get there at some point in time, maybe it doesn't happen in my time. I think it will. We're just going to see ourselves as global citizens and not be caught up in this flag wave and bullshit. You know, I always upset people because I put together a lot of rallies especially uh, for the Native American community. We get out there and protest. Trust me, we do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I believe in the right to protest. I've had people try to stop me. So that's why I'm like, hey, these people want to get out there and carry around their AR-15s and act like they're badasses, let them. Don't fucking stop me when I get out there and protest. But yeah, you know, I get out there and protest with a lot of my brothers and sisters about a lot of issues, not any issues I want to get in tonight. But one of the things that we do 
is that, you know, we have people who carry the American flag. I usually have veterans who do it. And we carry the flag upside down. And when people see that, that's like, what the hell is that? You know, you got the flag upside down. I usually, you know, we do our marches or we do our procession, you know, we get to a, where there's a mic. I usually explain to people that that upside down flag is a distress signal. And that flag is flown upside down. That means we're in need of help. And during the 1970s, when the American Indian movement was fighting for civil rights, fighting for the right and the freedom to practice their spiritual traditions and to speak their languages freely, Native Americans marched. And many of these Native people fought in Vietnam and were veterans, war veterans. They came back and fought for our rights here. And when they protested, sometimes they flew the flag upside down as a distress signal, saying we need help. And I'm, by all means, I'm not encouraging you all to fly your flag upside down. I don't want you to get hurt. And trust me, we, we've encountered some pretty ugly people when we do our rallies. We get some... I've had some pretty ugly things said to me and I just stay focused on what's important. What's important is the message. And I guess the message is, is I think we're in need of help. I think we need to reevaluate our culture a bit. I need to, to continually take a look at myself as well. I can't just point the finger at other people. I need to do the same. I think we all do. One thing I know for sure is that this us versus them mentality isn't going to get us anywhere. And if we want to point the finger, we need to start pointing the finger at the people who've created this chaos, who've created this nasty, ugly system. Let's point the finger at them. Let's start interrogating them a bit more. I'm not saying we should be doing that with AR-15s because I think that's just a bunch of egotistical nonsense. But I think that, you know, a little reflecting, A little bit of uh, education wouldn't hurt. And maybe we can come up with some real solutions to solving these problems. I think it's possible. I definitely think there's hope for all of us. Well, I think I'm going to sign off here. I definitely feel a lot better. I had to get some of the stuff off my chest and it's definitely been um, 
a good week. I've been visiting a lot with uh, Douglas Miles. He's been sharing his philosophy and he's an Apache brother out at San Carlos Reservation. We've been live streaming him here in Fresno over at Fresno City College. And um, he's just an incredible guy, incredible artist, incredible philosopher. And um, at the same time, and seeing all these things in, in the news that are driving me crazy, and this thing with Ahmad being killed by these fucking cowards with their guns just really upset me. And um, I'll just continue to remind myself of what I truly believe. And that we can make a difference. That with love and compassion, we can overcome hatred and meanness. With love and compassion, we can overcome racism, sexism, and all that ugly discrimination, all that classism out there that's creating all this hardship. So with that being said, for those of you who made it to the end, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly am not going to apologize for anything that I said. Although I'm sure I would like to say things a little differently when I go back and listen to this. I always do. I hate listening to my voice. I think I'm going to listen to this podcast and probably do some heavy critiquing of uh, my explanations of the topics that we covered tonight. All right, folks, let's stay strong. Let's stay healthy. Let's have a little bit of compassion for those who are suffering out there. And most importantly, let's try to keep it together, not just for ourselves, not just for our kids or in our immediate family, but for our entire communities. All right. Till next time.